Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Good to see you. Good to see everyone here as well. Uh, John chapter 13. There's a lot going on in John chapter 13, and, and there's no way we're going to get to all of it, but we'll try to get to some of it and focus on one thing. Remember that uh, last week we talked about John chapter 12. It was the end of Jesus' public ministry in the Gospel of John, and now we're moving into the private ministry, the intimate uh, times that He have with, has with His disciples as He gets ready for the crucifixion and the resurrection. And here uh, is a common place to find Jesus at a meal. Specifically, the Passover meal. This is a way that in uh, Bible times that we track how many years that Jesus' ministry was in full effect. That's how most Bible students track the number of years that Jesus was in ministry was by the Passovers He celebrated. A very, very important ceremony for the Hebrew nation, for for the Jews. And it echoes back to the Passover of the Exodus story with Moses coming before Pharaoh and let my people go. And it's not a mistake that John was inspired to quote from Isaiah, which was the same text that was used on Pharaoh when Moses was before him. And all of these themes are running through. Will you soften your heart before God? Or will you harden your heart? before God. And Jesus puts away in the Gospel of John now His public outreaching ministry. And now He is at supper celebrating the Passover, the Exodus story, where the angel passed over the homes where the blood of the Lamb had been painted as Jesus was saving His people from slavery and moving them to the promised land. Here we find Jesus with his disciples, we're not exactly sure who is there. Jesus, the apostles, and, but it's a small group, and they're celebrating the Passover. Several years ago, Katie led us in a Passover meal, and it was extremely enlightening to me to understand how the Jews celebrated this meal as a reminder of the deliverance and the providence. Of God. So that's where this story begins. Celebrating God's power, celebrating God's salvation, his deliverance, and celebrating his providence by providing the Lamb whose blood covered the doorsteps and saved us and moved us out of slavery into that great exodus and onto the promised land. The very beginning of John chapter 1 starts, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and to go to His Father. In my line of work, that's called situational awareness. 
He understood where he was and what was going on. He had full situational awareness. Nothing was going to catch him off guard. He was paying attention to the details. He was not sleeping on this one. He was engaged. They're celebrating the Passover. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Do you feel like he's sensing some pressure? I do. He has full situational awareness of what the next couple days are going to hold. As we move through John chapter 13 and into John chapter 14, we are going to read and learn about the betrayal of Jesus. And we're going to learn about the denial of Jesus. We're going to learn about the crucifixion and the trial of Jesus. So it says here, they're celebrating this meal and Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave the world and to go to the Father. He was where He was supposed to be. Doing what He was supposed to be doing. This was an important moment. And because He was situationally aware, this is what He chose to do. He chose to show His apostles just how much He loved them. Have you ever wondered, not to be morbid at all, but I think it's part of being human, we think about death. We think about it. Maybe we think about it more as we get older. Or if you've had a near miss, have you had any near misses? Have you ever retold a story and the, the punchline is, I'm not sure how I survived that one? We think about death. We know that our lives are temporary. It's a common thing for humans. We grasp that we are finite. That life and time is precious. Jesus was contemplating these things as His relatively short life was coming to an end. He was celebrating Passover with His apostles. He knew that the time was coming for things to change. For Him to do what He came to do. To be about what He came to be about. Having loved His own who were in the world, He now, in the Bible that I was raised with, it said, now He showed Him the full extent of His love. The modern translation says, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the very end. Jesus realized in this moment, and it's for us to realize as well, that Jesus was just not dying for us. He was dying as us. He would soon experience something that He has never in, the, in eternity ever experienced in that separation from His Father. He knew that that day was looming and that time was coming that He would take on our sin, our incompleteness, our devastating choices, our ignorance, and He would put that on Himself, and He would take that on Himself, and He would die for us. That is a tenant of the Christian faith. Christ as the sacrificial Savior. But before that time came, He needed to show His apostles what He was really about. 
The evening meal was in progress. They were going through the steps and the rituals of remembrance of the Exodus story. And I don't know where exactly they were in the meal. That might be interesting to know, especially someone who's uh, up on Jewish history and Passover history, that each part meant something. Where they were exactly in the meal, we don't know. That's not a remembrance that John shares. But it says the meal is going on, and it says the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. He had already gone to the officials and the money had already taken uh, the, the money exchange had already taken place. And, G, and he's promised he's going to kiss him and he's going to show him Jesus. He's going to take him to him. That betrayal is already done. And now they're having a meal together, all together. Here we go in verse 3 again. Remember verse 1. Jesus knew that the hour to leave this world had come and it was time to go to the Father. Now in verse 3, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power or all authority had been given to Him based on the Bible you're reading. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and He was returning to God. Situational awareness. And the question I have for you this morning as we kick off this study and these things to consider, do you know that you're from God? Jesus knew that He had come from God and that He was returning to God. This was a temporary stop as it is with us. We are from God. We are created in God's image. And we are living this life for God as we return to God. Jesus understood that. He didn't put all of his eggs in what was happening, in the basket of what was happening at any given moment because he had a broader mind about him. And that's the only way, in my opinion, that Jesus survived this was that he realized something broader than what he was actually experiencing at the time. The pain that he was experiencing could have overwhelmed him. The thoughts of his next couple days could have absolutely crippled him. The realization that his people that he had chose and been with and served and taught and loved and, and, and given his life for were already in the process of betraying him. It could have wrecked him. But he knew who he was. He knew where he was from, and he knew where he was going. And this next word is the main word I want to talk about today. The evening meal was in progress, verse 2. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he had come from God. He knew that he was returning to God. So. Because I know this, I will. Because I realize this, I will choose to. You fill in the blank. 
I'm telling you that the Christian faith is not just a knowledge exercise. It's the knowledge that penetrates our heart and then motivates our hands to actually do things. For Jesus. Because of Jesus. And in His name. Knowing about God is not enough if it doesn't penetrate your heart and affect your hands. This one word at the beginning of verse 4 is critical in our faith. If Jesus' so was a little bit different, we wouldn't be here today. But because His so was so impactful, we're here learning to be like Him. We're here talking about Him, holding Him up not only as a good teacher, but as Lord and Savior. We're not just talking about a good guy. We're talking about submitting to someone as Lord and then doing the things that He did. We're talking about giving a guy full license to run my life. That's how important this one word is. This so. I want us to consider before we move through chapter or verse 4, I want you to consider that if you knew that God had put all authority in heaven and on earth in your hands, God gives you all authority, but you can do whatever you want. What would your so be? God gives you license for whatever you think is right. What's your so? Us human beings, we struggle with power. We struggle with it. We struggle with power. We struggle with pride. We struggle with comfort. We struggle with being right. We, we struggle with telling people that they're wrong. We struggle with spoiling ourselves and neglecting the needs of others. We struggle with a lot of things. So I wonder in my own life, in your life, do you wonder if God had given all authority in heaven and on earth and He put it in your hands, what would you do with it? This is what Jesus did. They're having the meal. It's going on. He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. Can you hear the room? Jesus, the Master, the Lord, the Teacher, gets up, starts taking His clothes off, and wrapping Himself with a towel. You think the room got pretty quiet? You think people adjusted in their seats? You think people were asking, what's, what's going on here? What's he doing? He's never done this before. He gets up, he takes off his otter clothing and wraps a towel around his face. After that, gets some water and he pours it into a basin. Can you hear the water running into the basin? 
Are you in the disciples' seat reclining at the table wondering what Jesus is doing? As He disrobes, covers Himself up with a towel, He grabs some water. Can you hear the water going into the basin? And you're wondering, what is He doing? Then He takes the water, one to the each of them, and He begins to wash their feet. And He dries them with the towel that He's using to cover Himself up with. This is a whole new Passover observance. This has never happened to them before. And this is so out of the ordinary because we humans classify people sinfully. We raise ourselves above. We put people below we put them in places because we think we, they deserve them. We put ourselves in places because we feel like we, whatever it is, we classify people and it's something we need to ask forgiveness of. In this specific situation, this act that Jesus was doing was always done by someone of lower class to someone of higher class. Just because it's true doesn't make it right, but that's what it was. Somebody lowlier than me always washed my feet. And now the Lord and the Savior, the Master and the Teacher, is wrapping Himself in a towel and washing the feet. How do you think it went over? You know the story. He first comes to Simon Peter and Simon says, are you going to wash my feet? Add your emphasis and I think you won't be wrong. Are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? I don't know. But I know that there was emotion here. Don't get fooled into reading the, the Bible deadpan and act like there's no story here. That there's no humans around. And real stuff wasn't happening. Peter's struggling with this. Lord, what are you doing? Are you going to wash my feet? Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will. That's a little cryptic. What does that mean? I want to know now. Like, what on earth are you doing? Peter says, no. Nope. You're never washing my feet. Not because he's obstinate. Not because he's disobedient. Not because he's trying to tell Jesus what to do. But this isn't what a master does. You're messing up the whole power struggle here, but you're messing up the whole system, Jesus. Brother, you're not doing this to me. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. Well, Peter's like, shoot. Wash it all. 
my head, my feet, everything, do it. Because I'm in. It's interesting here that Jesus says in verse 10, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. We have to listen to this a little bit. There seems to be some specific words being used here for washing and cleaning. And most Bible scholars think that Jesus is talking about the difference between being saved and then confessing. That when we're washed, we give our lives and we're, we're baptized into Jesus. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But that means we need daily cleansing, the forgiveness of sins, the confession, the admittance that I've not lived up to the standard, that I need Jesus. We need our feet washed regularly, but we don't need baths every day. We don't have to be baptized over and over and over into the gospel in the name of Jesus. If we have been, but we do need to live confessional lives. And that matches up with what John says in 1 John, John chapter 1. The same author. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus continually purifies you of your sin. If you claim to be without sin, you make him out to be a liar and the truth isn't in you. This seems to go along here. Jesus says, you don't need a bath, you just need to be cleaned. But he says, not every one of you is clean, but you are. He says to Peter, you are. That's interesting too, because what's Peter about to do? Deny Christ. I think it goes back to John chapter 12. There's a difference between making a mistake and making a choice. Are you submitting to the Lord? Admitting that you make mistakes? Or are you resisting the Lord? Judas, the betrayer, is resisting. That's why Jesus says to Peter, you're clean, you just need your feet washed. But not everyone here is clean. We know that because John adds the commentary. Verse 11, For Jesus knew who was going to betray Him, and that was why He said, not everyone was clean. Not everyone in this room has submitted. People are still resisting. And we had, when he had finished washing his feet, he put on his, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, because that's what I am. But if I'm your teacher and Lord, I need to be, able, be in charge of your soul. Now that I'm your Lord and teacher and have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you 
do them. Do you see how Jesus shared, gave an example, and then asked us to do that as well? Christianity is an active life of submission. Remember our definition of Christianity from last week? It's a daily, Christianity is a daily, sometimes moment by moment decision of a disciple to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, you got this. I trust you. I'm following you. You're making the rules here. I do what you do. Jesus gives this example and then says, will you do it too? Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed. So here's the point today. Everyone has a card in front of you or beside you. Get out that index card. We're going to deal with so for a minute. We come into the presence of the Lord to be changed. That's a song that I grew up singing. I'll spare you the notes. We come into the presence of the Lord to be changed. We say, so change me, Lord. Remake me, Lord. Do you believe that God is God and that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that the story of Jesus is true? Do you know Jesus died for you? Do you know that He rose for you? Do you know that God is near? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Are you deciding this day and this moment as a follower of Jesus to submit your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And if you are, then there needs to be a so in your life. So I will. This is not an academic exercise and there's no test at the end to get all the answers right. This is following Jesus' example and we are submitting our lives to Him. So the question that I want you to put down on this card is, what's my so? What will I do today and this week specifically, these seven days before we come back into the house of the Lord together next week? What will you do this week in service for the Lord because Jesus is a God that serves and humbles himself we each of us are going to be about God's work today this week following the example of Jesus Christ we're going to do something because we know something just like Jesus did this can be very Varied, I guess. It can be very wide. You could write cards of encouragement. You could tell somebody that you saw Jesus in them and how it impacted you and write it down so they can have it and it means more because they can read it and then call them and you can talk about it. That'd be something that you could do. You could partner more than just with your wallet in a ministry. Something. You could do something, a ministry that's meeting the needs of people in Jesus' name. And there are many in our community. One happens every Wednesday here at this church that it's one of the primary outreach ministries where we love people in Jesus' name and ask for nothing in return. It's absolutely fantastic what we do week in and week out as a church at Bread of Life Cafe. It's absolutely God's work. You could visit someone who you know is sad. 
Maybe they're sick. Maybe there's a diagnosis. Maybe there's a family member. You could celebrate with someone. Maybe they're a week sober and you're going to celebrate with them. Maybe they're ready to be done with an addiction. Whatever that might be and you celebrate with them. Maybe they've been married for a certain number of years and they, they give all that glory to God and you want to celebrate with them. That's great. Celebrate with someone. Serve in Jesus' name. Write cards of encouragement. Give your time to a, a ministry. Walk around your neighborhood or this neighborhood and pray for a couple days this week. Just walk the four or five streets that make up this little neighborhood and pray that the Lord God Himself, that the love of Jesus would impact these streets and these people that live in these homes. Maybe you go to somebody something, you attend somebody's event, and they know that you're there because you love Jesus and you love them because you love Jesus. I don't know what your so is going to be, but I know this, that Christianity is not just a mental exercise, that we're meant to practice this together. I'd like to come back next week and find out what your so was this week. We'll do that next week. If you want, it's not going to be forced. You're going to tell me. It's not going to be forced, but you'll have a chance to share. What did we do? Maybe we get a couple of us together and do something together. That's great too. This story has so many facets, but the one that we want to concentrate on today is this. Jesus knew who he was, knew where he was from, knew where he was going, knew that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him, so he served our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a humble servant man. And he's calling us, just like he called his, his disciples, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. May God give us the heart to serve. May we be obedient followers of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and do as he has done, not only for us, but what he's done with us and through us. I'm excited to hear what the so what is next week. I'm excited to hear your so. I'm excited to find out what my so is going to be. Let's stand together and sing the doxology. If anyone is in need of prayer, let's, let's pray together uh, after we sing. Come to, uh, come to anyone and, and pray and, and whatever you need.